is just looking at the problem that it's solving, which we believe is with early investment, uh, with early in checks that are written for VCs that may not have the bandwidth within their management team to go deep and manage these companies sort of day to day, month to month, whatever it is, they can let us do that. Well, they are, you know, can sleep sleep a little bit better at night knowing that Propel coaches are worrying about some of these things for them. Hey guys, we have Catherine here from Propel, an accelerator out of um, Atlanta, Canada. So, Catherine, I'm really glad to have you on. I always enjoy talking to people from incubators and accelerators because you're doing such a, a pivotal role for a lot of companies. And I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about the Atlantic region. What do you guys are up to there? Well, hi, Robbie. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about, obviously, about Propel. I'm very passionate about it. And there's a lot of great things going on here in Atlantic Canada um, that I'm particularly excited about. We have a great ecosystem here. Um, for sure. And I'm, I'm newer to the role. I'm originally from here and spent a bunch of time here, but with it, with a new lens of saying, what are the opportunities for Atlantic Canada? And there's, there's plenty. I have a goal of in three years time, I, I want to be producing future baby unicorns, uh, in the region. You know, mm-hmm. we, I want to put entrepreneurs and tech entrepreneurs in particular, in the driver's seat of our economic growth and, and recovery, obviously, from a global pandemic that we're all grappling with. Um, and in order to do that, we got, we've got a lot of very exciting and, and hard work to do. And just looking at what is the talent pool, how long, are, how far along are our current startups, what are we doing within our programs to best prepare these founders and their ventures for success? Uh, what does it look like from a capital landscape? You know, are they able to raise the capital they need? What capital can they attract within our region, within our Atlantic Canadian borders? And what does it look like to reach out beyond our Canadian, Atlantic Canadian borders? So there's lots of moving parts here, but it really, I really look at it from that macro lens of how do we get to a stage where we are, you know, raising a, a farm of baby unicorns that change the profile of our region and our growth trajectory into the future so we can have great companies here, attract talent, attract capital, and, uh, you know, be set up for a very exciting future. No, d- uh, definitely. I-, I-, I love that idea, like, you know, growing a bunch of baby unicorns. Totally. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about that. Like, what kind of companies do you generally work with? What are you guys seeing? Yeah, so we we look at, with in Propel, we look at ICT uh, specifically. So uh, they touch agri-tech or food tech or um, B2C companies. So, so the, the spectrum is quite broad and, and it could be even deep tech. It could touch in digital health or uh, we have some more women founders coming in that, that we're, we're hoping to grow that segment. And, uh, but anyone who touches the technology space because we believe that they are all gonna need to learn how to bring a product to market and really figure out, is there a problem in the market where someone's willing to pay for it first and foremost? And then how do you do step into that market development? So regardless of if you're, you know, digital health or if you're ag tech, um, how do you actually talk to customers, listen to customers, figure out your ideal customer profile and do that market development and really build up to a, um, a repeatable and scalable sales process. Mm. Uh, so, so anything that touches technology, you know, we can help with that commercialization piece. Cool. I'm really interested to know, like, the type of entrepreneurs that come into the system. Um, 
you know, are they like university coming out of straight of university systems, like you know, university students? Are they coming from more, um, you know, uh, corporate or professional backgrounds, and they're, they're launching a venture? Are they tinkers building out of their garages, and then they launching something out? Like, what does the archetype look like? I I would say a little bit of everything you just mentioned, Robbie. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. So I know a couple of the stats off the top of my head. So about 63% of our founders are under the age of 39, which means nearly 40% are over the age of 30, of 39, which I love. So we've got some more experienced, they have life experience. They maybe have a venture or two behind them, uh, coming into our program to really help validate that idea before they, you know, sink some of their life savings into it. So uh, they, they certainly vary. We have a strong presence of new Canadians within our program. About 43% were born outside of Canada. So we love seeing that diversity within our within our cohorts. We're a continuous intake model. So I, I say the word cohort a little bit lightly. Um, and we definitely need a stronger presence of women founders, uh, which we're looking to to um, increase. But we, you know, we've got some very, very young founders. So they'd be straight out of even high school sometimes. Hmm. Um, really, and they're tinkering, they're tinkering, but we are at the stage of our program. So where Propel sort of starts and where it stops in the life cycle of a, of a founder's journey, we really are at the, and this is, this is not maybe the um, politically correct term, but we've got a great graph that maps out the life path of a journey of a founder. And they call the very first section, the drunken walk. <laughs> so they're really throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks and ideas are changing probably every 20 minutes, let alone every 20 days. Um, and towards the end of that drunken walk where the founder is really saying, I think I've got something here. I can articulate a business. I can articulate a problem that I think is really there and some customers that I want to go after. I think someone might be willing to pay for this. That's really when, and they fill out what we use the lean stack, um, uh, content within our earlier stage. So they fill out a lean canvas and, and that's part of our, the entry process into our program. And then where we stop, and, and let me take that a little bit further for you, Robbie. So then they complete a, about a three month program with us. And then often there's a bit of a natural pause between that stage of our programming and the next section of our programming. Cause the next section, they have to have a thousand MRR before they can enter that next stage. So we're really looking to see revenue generating companies by that point. It's early revenue, but we spend the next six to nine months really helping those founders articulate their uh, product market fit, identify their ideal customer profile. So by the time they graduate from Propel, they're earning revenue that matters. Hmm. It's repeatable revenue. It's revenue that customers are excited to pay and they're, they're, increasing their contract sizes, they're cutting their sales cycles in half, and there's actually revenue to demonstrate this consistent and predictable success, which is a beautiful spot for them to graduate from a program because it's where most often they need capital. And we're building up a, a very strong brand in terms of the quality of our alumni to make sure that investors know that when they invest in a Propel alum, it's a good check to write. Gotcha. Um, so that seems very multifaceted. So one of the things that are like are so different from incubators and accelerators is that accelerators have kind of a more structured program with with milestones and guidelines, right. uh, and some are more aggressive than the others. Um, you know, have you ever found you uh, found like you know there's this company that you just can't keep up to the structure that need to you know sidelined away. 
um, how do you how, how do you like you know trim the chaff? Like how do you um, keep things focused? That that's a great question, and I think one and the other thing I'll I'll tell you about Propel that will hopefully answer that question is is how we do it. So we talked a little bit about the the progression and the stages through through which a, a sort of a founder uh, comes in and then progresses on in our program. But what they experience is a combination of world-class content and dedicated coaching. So the coaching piece is incredibly important. We have dedicated coaches. Um, so each founder is assigned a coach in the earlier stages as well as the later stages. And the coaches spend a great deal of time. They get to know the founder. They get to understand the business model. They really can challenge them on the business model, their ICP, and, and they essentially become like the voices in their head. Um, so it's taking mentorship to another level. I, I often think of it, it's degree level um, training and really helping sell, it, it really helping to train accountability and discipline and incredibly important skills for founders as they grow. So it's more like university mm. degree level as opposed to I took a weekend course. Um, so it's really taking the time to apply the content and a lot of that comes from that really important accountable relationship that the coaches develop with the founders. So they don't stop their, their work uh, on their business. They continue to do the work and we are with them sort of each step of the way and sort of helping ensure they apply this thinking to their business because it has proven results. So why not? But it definitely takes focus and, and support and, and uh, a disciplined approach. So our coaches are hugely valuable um, in order to pull that off and create that focus. Yeah. Two, three years ago, um, I got I got familiar with the Atlantic Regions Innovation, uh, industry, innovation um, I guess, ecosystem mm -hmm. through Patrick Patrick Farrar from um, CEO oh, of uh, Startup Zone. Um, Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what's that? I've met him just a few times, so I don't know him well yet, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a great guy. I mean, we had a conversation, um, uh, like I actually interviewed to be uh, to a mentor there, mm -hmm. and and uh, they were looking for virtual mentors at the time, and he gave me the mind-blowing facts because, you know, stuck in GTA, stuck in the, in the Toronto sphere, you're kind of in this bubble, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of things are happening, a lot of things are moving, but you're kind of like, everything but, like what's happening in Canada is kind of mysterious. You know, mm -hmm. growing up, you'd hear about all these different things happening, like all these different industries, uh, you know, and when you think with Atlantic region, you think about fisheries, right? That's what's kind of drilled into your head. But Patrick was talking about all the different technologies that was coming out mm -hmm. and, you know, the amount of companies he was talking about how, like, this is like three years ago, like they were doubling in size. They had to open up a new center because the amount of people looking to start new companies and develop and innovate. And I think like innovation is such like a Canadian, it's becoming a Canadian pastime. It's like so rooted mm -hmm. in identity. Mm -hmm. And it's everywhere across this nation. So uh, I'm kind of interested in, could you talk about like the type of companies, like, you know, what kind of technologies they're working on? Can you give me a few examples? Mm -hmm. I can try. And this, yeah. this is where Ravi is um, being newer in the CEO level. I will only know a snippet of each company. So it's not, uh, I hope I'm not doing a disservice to those founders, but it's really, really fascinating. So let's use the fisheries one, for example. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you said when you think of Atlantic Canada, you might think of fisheries. Well, there's an incredible company called Real Data, and they have an AI sensory uh, solution for land-based fish farms. Mm -hmm. So it's to optimize the feeding and health and nutrition of salmon farms, or and it could be, and again, this is where I'm probably not going to get it perfectly accurate, but essentially it's a way to optimize land-based fish farms with their AI technology. 
Um, so you can imagine a more traditional fisheries-based industry being completely modernized with incredibly insightful and courageous founders in our region. So it's, which I love, I just love that, uh, you know, we're going to help modernize a lot of traditional industries that would have hundreds of years of history within our region. And we want to see them brought forward with, with great force. And we don't want to see them as needing to be replaced, but simply modernized. Um, so there's great opportunities to, to do that. There's another one that's involved uh, with the shipment and tracking in within the fisheries industry. There's another one involved, um, another company called Foodbite, and they're basically automating food safety, putting it on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another, one of the other top ones. There's another one that I'm really interested in called Vroom Crew. And they're essentially providing a car cleaning service that shows up at your work or your house for dual income uh, folks with young kids. So I'm absolutely their demographic. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So really, really interesting, innovative stuff. Some of it would touch on more traditional industries. Some of it would just be cutting edge new thinking that they, you know, they're trying to solve a problem that exists in the world. And it has nothing to do with where they are. They just have the right brain power and inspiration and hopefully enough support to pull it off. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that's the, that's one of the, the cool things about innovation is that these problems are kind of universal almost, right? People can solve things from across the world that's kind of collaborative. Um, you know, and we see a lot of parallels in companies developing different technologies. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that Patrick uh, told me that's really interesting is that the type of technologies that Atlantic Reef is developing you know, it's, there's a lot of parallels in uh, in South Asia and, and across and, and across the ocean. And you know, he was looking. In, Atlantic region is looking into create partnerships. You know, with other uh, other uh, coastal regions across the world because they're all experiencing similar things. You know, rise of uh, what's it, uh, sea levels. You know, climate change. Uh, you know, the changes in the fisheries and environments and mm-hmm. and um, all those kind of things. So, I think uh, like especially with Canada, like. You know, we have these like super clusters that's aligned out there, like like you know that 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 from the top down, we're kind of supporting mm-hmm. infrastructure uh, infrastructure for um, for innovation and developing new technologies and and uh, and new companies. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, swinging back to you know yourself, you know, what brought you into this role? What brought you to Propel? What brought you into the innovation industry? Like, what excites you? Oh, great question. Well, I love. I've always been involved in tech companies ever since I left business school. I love uh, the speed and the, the pace at which you can learn, uh, talk to customers, respond to customers, and really make an impact in the difference uh, when you're actually solving, trying to solve a problem for a customer. Um, I love smaller companies. That's always been where I'm, you know, been drawn. Not I, I would have a hard time joining a company that has 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I could. I don't think I could do that. So, the the pace, the opportunity, the impact that you can have within the tech sector has always been a uh, very a natural draw for me. So, I've spent time. Uh, I guess in many different parts of the world. So I've lived in Boston and Toronto and Germany and and I spent time living in Newfoundland for five years as well as Winnipeg for one. And and the draw back to Atlantic Canada was my family. I'm originally from New Brunswick, but uh, having the chance to come back here as an adult with my own family is was sort of too good to be true. And uh, we're really excited about that opportunity. So being able to 
and my background is, is I would say very fragmented. Some of, some of their um, folks have a great history, let's say in FinTech and they've worked in multiple different FinTech companies throughout their lives and, and have an industry set of expertise, whereas mine sort of jumps all over the map and, but it's been all tech related and typically earlier stage, um, younger companies that had the uh, opportunity to grow and shake something up and disrupt uh, an existing market. So, you know, I, I, I think that's probably what lent itself, what lends itself to, to this particular role, because it's not like I grew up in the accelerator world at all, but mm -hmm. I love, love technology companies, love the opportunity to support founders. I was a founder of failed with wild with flying colors. <laughs> so I can relate to what a lot of our founders are going through. Um, I was asked during the interview to for this job, you know, can you explain what it was like to be a founder? And my answer was, you know, I was all excited, thought I was gonna solve some of the world's most interesting or relevant problems, jumped in, and it felt like I was jumping into the deep end and you just suddenly forget how to swim. You know, you're constantly trying to stay above water, so to speak, and, and that feeling is, is very real and very tough and what a lot of founders uh, go through and being able to offer support and a better way forward. I mean, to me, when I was a founder, I wish I was involved with a program like Propel. I wish I had a coach, a Propel coach. <laughs> it would yeah. have made a world of a difference. Um, so just to, you know, being able to, to relate to what founders are going through has been incredibly um, important and helpful as we focus on how to improve Propel and connect with founders. And a lot of what we do is trying to understand why founders are looking for help. Some of them are looking for money, that's understandable, but we really wanna change the tra trajectory of that company because they're learning the right skills. And it's the right skills, in many cases, in the eyes of the investment community. So we've got to connect the dots of how we, you know, pull founders into the top of our funnel and what they look like when, um, when they're leaving our program. So, um, and you, I, I took that question and went somewhere else, Robbie, so you might have to bring me back. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. Like, uh, you know, I love, uh, like, especially the fact that you were a previous founder yourself, you understand the problems the founders find. Can, can you talk a bit about what you founded and what you did? Sure, it was back in the days of, of Groupon daily deals and we were very focused on moms and started, I wasn't even a mom at the time. Um, my business partner was, she was, she was great, uh, great woman. And, and we made so many mistakes. Um, but what I will say as a founder it, it during, it was about a year long and I sunk a, sunk a bunch of my savings into it. And, you know, it's a, a very intense time, but it was probably the most educational year of my career so far, including the years in when I was actually just doing education. Um, because I taught myself how to sell and that to me has been a skill set that every founder needs to and should learn, but I, I had to learn it the hard way, unfortunately, like I literally had to give myself a pep talk before I made every cold call. Um, but I eventually got good at it and you, you could quickly learn the impact of refining your skills, doing a cold call and customer discovery. What does this person want? And what do you have to say to keep that person on the phone? And some of these basic things that a lot of founders hope to never do, but essentially they have to be able to do it because you're not just selling to customers as a founder, you're selling to investors, you're selling to recruits, you're selling to customers. So that's a skill set that's incredibly uh, important that I was excited to, to draw out of that experience, even though it failed. 
the learning was immense and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, that's so important, right? Going through that kind of founder journey yourself. Um, even for me, like I, I've I, like I realized even going to a corporate job after fi- founding a company myself and failing, you kind of have an appreciation from a top down approach of the problems of running a company. Yeah. Right. And you're kind of like trying to navigate, navigate that. It's like, OK, cool. Like, you know, my boss will probably have this kind of problems. The company is kind of solving these kind of problems. I'm f- I'm fitting a piece in this. And it really furthered my corporate career by knowing the problems of running a company. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it really feeds forward to that. Right. But uh, going back to that, like, would you ever found a company again? Do you ever see yourself? Uh, do you have the entrepreneur bug? That's a great question. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I know I'm really happy in my current role. Um, I don't think I could say no. I don't think I could say no. I'll put it that way. I think, you know, if the future was to present itself and there's a really, it's all based on problems to me. If there's a really pressing problem in the world that I have some comfort level with or I'm very passionate or interested in, and think I can figure out a solution. And at this point in my career, bringing in the right people to help me do it. Um, and that I would have a lot more access to now than I than, than I have previously. So picking a great co-founder and a great team and, and digging into that problem, you know, I think that will be a lot of fun to do again someday. Um, but right now I'm happy helping other founders do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so talk to me a little bit more, more Propel. Um, how, how long has Propel been operating? And you're, you're a virtual incubator, uh, accelerator. Has it always been vir- uh, virtual or has it been because of COVID? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So we were really lucky. My predecessor, Barry Bisson, made the very courageous and important move to take Propel online. So he made it a virtual accelerator before COVID. It had nothing to do with COVID. Mm-hmm. We like we like to tease him a little bit and say, yeah, he had a tip about COVID, so he did this, but he didn't. <laughs> it happened in, he, he made that switch uh, with the team in 2018. Um, so it, w- it was a very courageous move. It's We're obviously very, very glad he did that. I often say that Barry did the hard work and now I get to do the fun work and really mm. help take it to the next level. So the virtual um, capabilities are fascinating because we can reach all corners of Atlantic Canada. Because as you know, we're not that populated here. We're about 2.3 million people in the entire region. We have a couple of main cities and a lot of folks living in other places that, that are smaller, they're more rural, but there's so many advantages to living there as well. But if they can't access one of the physical accelerators, that presents mm. a problem. And we don't want to stifle innovation just because they live in a rural area. Um, we want to support that. So making sure that people can access our program. And now everyone sort of is virtual anyway. Um, but 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 we operate virtually as a norm. It's not new for us. We didn't have to sort of make the shift like many people across the globe did to to figure out how to work online. We, we do that very deliberately and, and very forcefully. And one of the, and I'll just give you a small example of that, Ravi, like because we're a virtual program, engaging on Zoom and or in like a panel discussion with a really, you know, successful um, uh, entrepreneur in our region, it, it can really lend itself to what I call passive engagement. So just joining a Zoom call and you listen in and then you leave the Zoom call. That to me is not good enough. That's not what Propel does. We like to challenge founders. We want to make sure we're adding to their journeys. Passive engagement, not allowing for passive engagement to happen is sort of what one of the things we really um, make sure that we do because our virtual experience has to be amazing. 
Um, so if we have a guest speaker, for example, we have some, we have had some of the most incredible guest speakers. Um, they'll come and and at one point we had to think about 12 founders on a call with them and we like to keep the group small so they can have time for one-on-one -on -one questions with the guest speaker. And the moderator had said, so does anyone have any questions for our guest speaker? It was Marcel Lebrun, who's the, you know, was the CEO of, of Radiant 6. And there were crickets. None mm. of the founders wanted to speak up and ask a question. So we just said, let's just press pause, folks. <laughs> As a founder, you have to take advantage of every opportunity you're given. And to be on a, a, on a Zoom call with this man is an honor. And you've got to be able to leverage this and find some value for your business. And at the end mm. of the day, you ask a question and engage with Marcel directly, you're going to remember that experience a lot better. So so, so now one of the things we do is, is our moderators, they'll call on people. You always mm. have to be prepared with a question. You always have to be able to make the best of every opportunity. And, and somebody got a lead out of it because of that. So they asked a question, oh. conversation evolved. And spontaneous, you know, it just so happened that Marcel knew someone that they should connect with and, and they sort of it went from there. But that's what entrepreneurship is about. Mm -hmm. yeah. And making the best of it. So we we make sure that happens even in a virtual environment. And, and we want to make sure we can expand that uh, and, and make sure a lot of founders can uh, leverage our, the value that we have to offer. Yeah, I mean that's one of the most particular like particular challenges of being a founder, right? Like you have to be able to like you know aggressively pursue opportunity. Yeah. You know, you yeah. gotta like, and one of the one of the main drivers of that is like you gotta love your idea so much, like mm -hmm. that like you're willing to go past your comfort zone, uh, right? And and I think this is one of the main things that uh, like is about entrepreneurship, right? Like people, there's a certain archetype of people that go into it because they think it's cool or novel, they can make a quick play out of it. Mm -hmm. But they, they're the ones who rapidly kind of fade out of the market. And the ones who really drive through are the ones who love the problem, right? They really want to solve a problem in the market mm -hmm. space. And those people will be driven to go past their comfort zone, past, you know, mm -hmm. to, to go into it. So kudos to you guys for doing that kind of enforced behavior, like getting people to like <laughs> jump out. Because I think yeah. that, that's, that's really important. Yeah. But I mean, that speaks to also the challenges of being virtual, right? Like there's a certain, like as much as like, uh, I, I love this, like, you know, I get to uh, uh, contact you in Atlanta, Canada, like no other way you could have done this if it was yeah. a person show that we used to do. But like, again, like there's a certain like uh, level of uh, more comfort and more uh, feedback when you're sitting in person and talking to somebody or like, right. you know, shaking their hand and just looking them in the eye. Like yeah. there's a little bit of nuance, right? They say like, you know, only 7% of human communication is verbal. Like, you know, there's yeah. so much that, that comes out of being in person. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there's definitely challenges of being, uh, you know, running a virtual environment. And you guys have been doing it for two and a half years, like, you know, more than two years now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, so I guess like, what are the particular like challenges, uh, like, you know, other than like, you know, enforcing people to interact and things like that, mm -hmm. Do you feel like uh, there's like a loss between like, you know, the, the pro and con loss between virtual versus in, in, in person? And mm -hmm. you, do you guys still have an in-person kind of opportunity to like people to come in or at least not now during, during lockdowns, but like in the future, like do you have events? Do you uh, provide like, you know, venues for people to come and meet people in person? Yeah. 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 It's a really important question. So we, yeah, we're, we're definitely virtual, but it is important. And in non-COVID times, we absolutely do have sort of frequent or regularly scheduled networking sessions in many of the sort of cities or, or events across the region so that there is an opportunity to have that face-to-face -face connection. You know, even, even my board, I've never met most of them. 
face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a number of virtual meetings. So, so the opportunity to get to sit down and have a meal with them one day, that, that'll be really exciting. It'll have a different, um, you know, it'll, it will bring a different dynamic to the relationship and the same goes with our founders and, and the coaches. Um, so making sure that we have a strong virtual presence through our marketing and branding. And that really comes down to understanding what is it that founders are looking for? What is mm-hmm. it that meeting them at their, the moment in their journey that they're on, are they scared? Are they excited? Do they not even know how to take the next steps? Or are they looking just for money or what, what is it in, in about that moment in time that, that they're facing that we can connect with them on virtually at the moment. And, and when we're allowed to, again, you know, being able to connect with people and understand more about what their journey looks like in face-to-face sessions and, and networking is a huge part of any entrepreneur's life and, and journey and finding co-founders, finding their first customers, finding an advisory board. Um, all of that is certainly facilitated when you can meet up and we make sure that Propel supports uh, a lot of that. And, and we have our founders located, our, our team is, is located across the entire region uh, for the most part. So we have a bit of a presence across the region, if you will, and, and we mm-hmm. make sure we do some of that face-to-face stuff. Because I agree, it's very it's very important. I don't know that we'll ever get back to shaking hands, given yeah. what we've been through with COVID. Maybe we'll continue with our, you know, namaste bows or whatever happens. But um, at least being able to meet up with people will be uh, exciting again. Yeah. Um, so talking about, you know, running virtual, mm-hmm. Canada has this deep problem with connectivity. Um now, Navdeep Baines, our minister for, uh, our, well, I think soon to be former minister of innovation, mm-hmm. um, his one of his mandates was to get Canada, like you know, uh, Canadians better connected. You know, internet being almost like a human rights concern now. Not you know, not having high speed internet is a big issue, mm-hmm. um, especially with rural communities in your region. Is there a problem with connectivity? People getting online, uh, people being able to interact. Yes, unfortunately, I don't think, and I and I wish I knew the stats for you right off the top of my head, but I know that it exists because we just had a board member join us from Cape Breton, and uh, they've said, look, we're temporarily temporarily relocating to Nova Scotia until COVID settles down. They're normally based in Ontario, so luckily, we're you know when we see that, you know, we're seeing that. I wouldn't say it, uh, every single day, but we're, it's definitely a known fact that people are relocating to the East Coast to temporarily escape uh, COVID. So this uh, individual logged in, he could hear the board meeting, but we couldn't hear him and his video couldn't be on. And so, so you know, he's a com- incredibly tech savvy individual and, and still the bandwidth became an issue. Um, and it, I can't tell you exactly where he was located in, in Cape Breton, but I know that it was Cape Breton. So that that's something we need to continue to keep on the front burner. I think um, obviously there's a, a lot of challenges that we have on our plates uh, that governments have to address as a result of COVID, you know, from healthcare, but but and environmental issues. We don't want the important things like that to be taken a back burner because um, it'll stall innovation that we need. You know, mm. it's, it's such a it's a foundational part of our ability to innovate and move forward as a region. So uh, I, it's, it's, it has to continue to improve. Yeah, it's so important. Like, like, like you know, we, we don't really think about like uh, you know, growing up in like a, in like a ur- highly urban environment. You know, mm-hmm. connectivity has always been like been great. But like, but like you know, you hear stories of people in like rural environments. You know, like having to drive to like a McDonald's to an, yeah. another, another township 
and like you know feeding off their Wi-Fi in order yeah. to get, you know submit homework or or like get, just to get online, and it, it, it's it's a it's a cause of concern. I know like um one one of Nabdeep Bain's uh, initiatives, there's a uh, Atlantic cable now being put from uh, Atlantic region to none of it to bring mm-hmm. connectivity to the like, more northern sphere of Canada. And I think Canada's doing a great job of trying to build infrastructure, but one of the biggest problems is we're so so big, right, and so sparsely populated. Yeah. Um, what you're saying about like you know the the relocation of a lot of people to the Atlantic territories, I think that's been happening for the past few years. Um, I was shocked to hear even like uh, five, six, like, uh, four, five years ago, a lot of people were saying, you know, like why do I, why am I trying to live in Toronto? Uh, you know, trying to afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house, I can just go back home to you know Nova Scotia. You know, buy, yeah, right. Like you know, like and um, I, I caught up with some people recently about that, and they're like, like you know, I moved out uh, out out to the east. You know, got a house like a few years ago for fifty thousand. Now it's worth eighty thousand. You know, and the house I sold in 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 um, in Toronto. You know, the cat the cash I made from that, I'm pretty good here. Like I have a stable lifestyle, and like I can work when I want to, but I have ca- I have capital. And it's like everything's kind of easier and people are friendly. I'm like, like, why did I ever think like I had to go, I had to leave this place? And these are people who are native to Atlantic regions. But more than that, I think a lot of people are thinking about this now, especially I think COVID has been an accelerant. It's like, like it used to be location, 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 right? Like if you're looking near the action, right? You're, you're like sublimation, you get, you get pulled into things. But now, as long as you're connected, as long as we can do this, yeah. right? That's I mean, right. you can work from anywhere. So I yeah. think... Do you see that? Like, do you see more people, like, not even like uh, native to the region, but coming into the region just because they were like? Yeah, we do. We do actually, and I'm and I'm hoping we'll see a lot, a lot more of it. Um, it's it's a there's an opportunity here, especially with folks who have jobs within the tech sector or not. But as long virtually in the future. To me, this is a better lifestyle if you're from here or you're not from here. This is a, one, of, one of the friendliest places you can move. So if you're not from here, guess what happens when you move here? You get like this big hug from strangers. Like, <laughs> and they're just, they're so friendly and curious. Like, where are you coming from? Why are you here? We're so excited to have you. What school are your kids going to? Oh, we're having a barbecue next week. You should pop by. And it's just, you you get a bit of a, just sort of sucked in to the to the local culture, which is a great thing. Mm. Uh, it is, you know, uh, Robbie, of course, if you haven't guessed, like you should move here, <laughs> your <laughs> career will not change, but your lifestyle will probably improve just in terms of, you know, no traffic and access to nature and still great restaurants and great entertainment and great shopping. And, but you know, there's so much shopping that's virtual. Um, but you know, accessing nature and not being stuck in traffic, that's a win here. And that's a yeah. given in almost every city in, in our region. Um, like I take four minutes to get two kids to two different schools in the morning and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for those maybe parents who are listening, they, they might go, Oh, wow. And then I come home and, and I work from home from a virtual office, you know, propels obviously virtual as we've talked about, but you know, my husband drives all of 12 minutes to work. That's it. And it's not mm-hmm. traffic. It's 12 <laughs> It's maybe 11 and a half or yeah. 12 and a half on a, on a traffic day. Like it's a difference of maybe a minute. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, having access to the outdoors, it's a very safe region. Uh, there's a lot of really calming things that put life and work-life balance in the forefront. There's no effort to achieve work-life balance here. 
almost as long as you let mm -hmm. yourself disconnect from your laptop <laughs> from time to time. But um, it's it's true, and I think I think what it will demonstrate is that people are able to be very productive here because they're not burnt out. They do have great mm -hmm. access to nature. They do have a really friendly environment and community that they feel very connected to, and they don't have to be from here to establish that. Won't take yeah. long. So Ravi, when you decide to move here, you just let me know. We'll hook you up. Oh, I've been I've been dying to get out there for a long time. <laughs> me and my wife talk about uh, Atlantic Region all the time. Like PEI, one of our top destinations we want to go to. I just want to drive down the you know drive all the way down there. Yeah, beautiful. Like it's yeah. a fantastic place to be. Patrick lives there. He, I, I believe he still lives there. But yeah, it's, we two of our Propel team members are based in PEI. Like it is just it's so beautiful. There's so much going on, mm -hmm. um, it, and it's it's not overly populated. So there's huge benefits to that. Definitely. Um, so speaking of, about like the community and, and how people are, like you know, like like the Atlantic region has like it's pretty much the, the archetype of the, how the world sees Canada being friendly and being like you know open accepting. It's basically Atlant the Atlantic region, right? Yep. Um, and you know, uh, it, it's funny how that how that works. So you grew up there, right? Mm -hmm. And you decided and, and you and you moved out there. Like, what are the differences you see now between between that time? So I was away for 16 years. And when I left, I had no idea that I would have the opportunity to come back career-wise. You grow up here. When I grew up here, you know, I'm 38 now. When I grew up here, I almost assumed that I would have to leave in order to have a great career. So I did. I left, and did my MBA and traveled the world and had a bunch of different jobs. And that was exciting. I married a German and brought him back. So, <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, since I've been gone, there's been such a wonderful tech ecosystem built up here, totally in my absence. I can't take any credit for it. Um, but you know, that started with Jerry Pond and and Propel was launched many, many years ago by, as Jerry is one of the founding um, partners and he's had such a huge impact in, in the region. And you know, we're very grateful to some of those early pioneers that said, look, we've got to fire up some entrepreneurs, some support systems, how do we get bring capital into the into the region? There's been a lot of great evolution there, and, and uh, we expect to not only can see that see that continue, but I think as a as an ecosystem, we're seeing a mature a sense of maturity. So we're seeing accelerators pop up that are focused on very specific niches that didn't exist even two years ago. So if it's a focus on life sciences, if it's focused on you know the ocean supercluster, if it's focused on um, there was a recent one. There's a recent one focused on cybersecurity, mm. uh, located in New Brunswick. So, so that evolution to me signals a, a nice maturity that's great. And I think we're also at a stage. Uh, unfortunately, the flip side to being a really nice place uh, with really nice people is that we have a tendency to almost like hand out participation participation badges to founders going through programs. And we're like, great, good job, good job, good job. <laughs> <laughs> when sometimes it's a little bit more productive to have a, the tougher or more honest conversations about we're missing these skill sets. We have to work on this because no matter how friendly we are here for our companies to grow, they are growing outside of our borders. They may mm -hmm. secure a few of their early customers in Atlantic Canada, no problem, but to grow and become baby unicorns and eventually hopefully future unicorns, they're selling to the rest of the world. Um, so they've got to understand and build up those foundational skill sets. And we, as a region, I believe, have a responsibility to do that. Mm -hmm. And being the nicest, you know, always positive, uh, friendly person doesn't always lend itself to that. So, 
you know, we at Propel make sure we have some of the real conversations. We're not mean about it. <laughs> Let me mm-hmm. clear. They're still quite nice. But uh, a little bit of that tough love goes a long way, I think, as a founder and from mm-hmm. a trusted coach, which is which are the relationships that our coaches develop with founders. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's important because um, otherwise, you know, we, we don't want to just hand out participation badges and, and see companies that aren't really achieving their dreams of growth uh, because of it. It's a bit of a disservice if we're just too nice all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> being, you know, being too nice, I think, uh, like not even too nice, is being getting too attached to companies. It, 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 I think it's um, it's definitely a problem set because you get so attached to the ideas, attached to the person, but yeah. sometimes you have to like give that tough love. I went yeah. to them myself. Um, you know, I, I, before we started, they talked about how uh, you know I was an entrepreneur in residence at the University of Toronto, and I started mm-hmm. three companies. My last company, I actually went through the uh, incubator at at the university. The incubator I ended up coming back to, but mm-hmm. the director of it kicked me out. He's like, you know, it's time, you know, you're done, you've gone through the program, you're, you've progressed so far because you're an incubator, you know, yeah. your company's developed at a certain point, you got to move on, you know, yeah. so you can't stay here. Yeah. And he kicked yeah. me out. And uh, I remember, uh, we, uh, so we just did our 100th episode and I brought on the director at our 100th milestone ticker because he's yeah. been a personal mentor and a friend to me. But mm-hmm. like, you know, I was laughing at him about it. Like, it was probably one of the best things because it pushes yeah. you out of your comfort zone. You get so comfortable yeah. in, this, in this environment of, people who are working the same kind of concepts as you, who've been mentoring you and helping you, that to, to grow further, you need to absorb other resources. Yeah. Now, he did, like a year later, bring you back in as an entrepreneur resident, and you know we, we, we got even closer from that. But like that tough love aspect, it's like, startups are like babies, you know, like you're, you're like raising children. And the people who are behind them are themselves going through this process, right, of, of, of like, you know, of raising these things. So that tough love aspect, I think it's, it's uniquely important. But yeah. at the same time, you have to have that kind of um, community aspect of like, yeah, yeah, like we're all, all in this together. We're, you know, we're, we're yeah. going to help you and be yeah. there. So towing that line of being, you know, collaborative and supportive versus, yeah. you know, parental and like, okay, time yeah. to fly. And honest. and honest, I think is the key thing. And and part of it, like I spent six and a half years living in Germany. And mm-hmm. as a culture, Germans are very direct, but mm-hmm. they're not. But they're, and they're always very honest. They're not going to paint mm. a fluffy picture just to sugarcoat things. They're going to be honest about it. And I really learned to appreciate that uh, very early on when I moved to Germany. And uh, gosh, this country is so productive because they're not a, they're not afraid to say something that's honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really interesting. And there's one more point, Robbie, that I wanted to bring up, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so one last thing about Propel that I just wanted to get in, I know we're running out of time, is that in our later stage, one of the things we've learned is we've interviewed all the investors in our region to really understand what is it that they're looking for? When they're looking at deal flow, what are they missing? What are the skill sets that the founders might be missing? What are the skill sets that your great founders have? So we can make sure that we're not missing, if we're, we're going to make any changes to our program, we want to make sure it's in line with what the investment community is looking for. Because at the end of the day, we want all of our grads to be able to raise money without any challenges if they want to. Mm-hmm. And many of them do need to do that. So making sure that we're talking to investors even outside of our region to make sure we can help solve their problems as they as they write some of their early checks. So their pre-seed and seed level checks. And mm-hmm. in some cases, what we're looking at is if there's a fund, let's say there's a fund in Calgary, a newer fund, and they want to invest in a startup in Calgary, but they, but they want to, I would say, um, have that founder supported a bit more. We want to encourage them to consider writing Propel into their term sheets. 
So if they're going to write a half a million dollar check to an individual who they, they're getting to know, they seem to have a great idea, but there's a lot of work to be done with that individual, then write that half a million dollar check and, and put some of that earmark, some of that funding for Propel's program and they can join it from Calgary. It's no big deal because we're virtual. They would just slide into our cohort, get to know our coaches, attend all the lunch and learns with our, you know, really great guest speakers and, and do that important work and hopefully come out the other end of our program, earning revenue that matters, having really great understanding of the important business fundamentals like managing cash flow and how do you negotiate term sheets and you know, keeping a really close eye on your on your runway, all of these things that founders need to learn, but sometimes it slips through the cracks. Um, so that's one of the things we're looking to do in evolving our program and making sure we can serve more founders is just looking at the problem that it's solving, which we believe is with early investment, uh, with early in checks that are written for VCs that may not have the bandwidth within their management team to go deep and manage these companies sort of day to day, month to month, whatever it is, they can let us do that. Well, they are, you know, can sleep sleep a little bit better at night knowing that Propel coaches are worrying about some of these things for them and hopefully going to deliver a lot better results at the at the end of our program. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting because there's been a rise in like family offices and smaller mm-hmm. firms, right, dedicated towards, you know, certain problems or subset problems, yeah. right? Uh, right? And um, I think that's, that, I think that's very valuable. Right, being mm-hmm. able to, you know, you to be uh, perform that kind of uh, variant. Can you talk a bit about that service? Like, what exactly yeah. are, are investors really um, interested in that Propel provides? Uh, they, what I would, what I would suggest is one, they, they, con- they, they reach out to me directly, and and we're evolving it because what we're hearing within the investor community is that they, they have a problem. They're stretched very thin, and they're mm-hmm. spending their time fixing problems that we can already that we can solve. Um, so we would simply have that, uh, basically bring, if let's say they identify one company, they're going to write a check to them and they would say, great, we're going to write you this check and you're going to start with Propel. And they would come into our program where they would have probably a thousand MRR. That would be the rough, um, milestone that, that we look for them to achieve. And then they, they simply slot into our existing programming where they would have a direct one-on-one coach. Uh, they would also likely have direct reporting back to that investor who would be very interested in their progress that they should be, and they should be building that rapport anyway. I mean, founders have to learn to communicate with investors on a regular basis and be transparent about it, not just positive because they're a little bit nervous, but say, I'm really struggling with this issue and I need some help. Um, you know, being involved with Propel coaches and helping them validate, uh, really focus on who is their ICP? How can we start earning revenue that matters? And by the time they come out of our program at the other end, hopefully one, that investor is really pleased with the progress that's that's happened. And, you know, they're really trusting that there's been significant value added to that first check they just wrote. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's, I think that's great. How, like, how is the investment community um, been, been operating for, for you? Like, you know, since you're virtual and you can talk to investment, uh, like, you know, investors from across Canada, do you find that there's an investment community growing within the region that uh, very that that's that's more insightful, or is it like uh, across the nation or international? Like where where is the tension coming from? Uh, it's really interesting. We've had some uh, calls from folks in uh, let's say Chicago or LA um, in the last few months, just trying to understand what are the sort of the raw ingredients within our ecosystem in Atlantic Canada. I'm, I don't know for sure, Ravi, but I think part of it may be trying to understand because we're relatively COVID free here, is there an advantage? 
And mm. I believe it is, but I believe it's just shone a light on what's always been here. And we have a huge opportunity to leverage this, this um, beautiful region with a ton of talent and support and capital. Um, so I, I think it's a great opportunity, but the investors here are very supportive. They are very, there are, they are typically more early stage. So you don't mm. see a lot of series A, series B, series C investments happening here, but the early ones are the important ones that are traditionally done locally. There's a lot of non-dilutive funding in our region. That's almost table stakes to get to pre-seed and seed uh, stage level checks. And then hopefully, then some of our later stage investors help um, are engaged in deals with folks outside of our region together in, in sort of follow-on checks. Um, but yeah, we would like to see uh, our ability, we would like to enhance our ability to attract capital from outside as well as continue uh, to, to really leverage the great capital that's already here. Yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely uh, beneficial for like seed seed level um, uh, funders and above. Yeah. How is the uh, angel community um, in the Atlantic That's region? It's, uh, it's not strong, to be honest. We have some great angel investors in organizations like East Valley. Um, they write angel size checks and, and, you know, sort of invest together. But we don't have a regional angel network at the moment. And we will very much be supportive of anyone who tackles that challenge. NACO has come in and done sort of an Atlantic summit. And I think really lit a good fire. It's an important fire. People understand that this is a, a it's a great asset class to invest in. It's an important asset class and it's important level of funding for our ecosystem. And one, there's a huge opportunity for someone to step in and take the reins and herd the cats. And to me, Propel is, is deal flow for those angels. We have great um, early stage companies that to me, we should be introducing you to those individuals early on. So you can see a little, a little bit of growth and progression before you write the first check. And at the angel level, you're investing in that person. You're not really investing in a total addressable market. market. And you know most people know that. So there's an opportunity for us to evolve how we even present to angels. Um, so whoever's going to tackle that on, take that on, is going to get Propel's full support, uh, and hopefully we'll provide some really great deal flow. But there's an opportunity there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Perfect, Catherine. Um, I know uh, you know you, you got another call to get onto. So we'll <laughs> wrap it up here. Yeah, thank you so much for for your time and uh, opening up about what's going on in Atlantic Region. Thank you ever so much. And you let me know when you and your wife want to head east and, and relocate. I, I can promise you it'll be a good move. <laughs> You're selling me hard. I gotta, I gotta I know, consider I know. that. I know, I'm relentless. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, for everyone tuned in, thanks for coming on.